What is up, Combo Nation? We are here, and welcome to episode 492 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. This episode is a recording from the Veterans Minimum Podcast, recorded this one in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada, with Nick Diaz, host of the Veterans Minimum. Just a fantastic conversation with Nick. Shouts to Nick. Shouts to the Veterans Minimum. Shouts to Blue Wire Studios. On this one, we discussed the Dame Lillard situation, Wemby's play at Summer League, the new look, Houston Rockets, and I also shared my thoughts on if I like the way the modern NBA game is played. Just a fantastic conversation. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Deus. At Nick Deus, 10 as you can find me. All things Veterans Minimum, veteransminimum.com. My guest today, it's been a long time, dude. It's been a long time. From Queens. Queens in this. Queens get the buddy. Started, <laughs> started Queens, now we're here. Let's go. Combo, <laughs> the host of Combo's Court, the podcast. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk hoops with. It's dope that we finally get to connect again and bring you into the studio. I know we've been talking about doing some stuff for a while now, but I knew you were coming out here for Summer League, and it's good to see you, bro. It is good to see you, man, and this studio is beautiful. It's amazing. I actually loved your studio in Queens, but this is really great as well, so just happy to be here, Nick, and it's really great to see you as always. Yeah, man, the studio back in Queens, bro, was uh, definitely a different vibe, Epic. but this is, yeah, yeah, for, for, you know, for someone that did it on his own with uh, foam panels and having a... <laughs> clap in order to line up the audio i don't need to do that anymore shouts to everyone back there it means a lot very helpful saves a lot of time when it comes to editing the clips yeah uh yeah but i wouldn't trade it to go back that's for sure yeah honestly like i was doing some in-person stuff before the pandemic but you inspired me to get back into it in 2023 a goal of mine was to do more in person and i've been doing that and i think it sparked with you know going to your house in queens and getting it done in person so I appreciate everything that you're doing. Oh, man, that means a lot, bro. That means a lot because I just had this conversation over the weekend, dude. Um, actually, last night I was with this kid, Dom, who's a part of Blue Wire, and I met his buddy, Sean. He's in the podcast space, too. He used to be a defensive back at Notre Dame, and we were we were golfing. I picked up golf, bro. Really? Yeah. That, that started Vegas? That started in Vegas. That started like six weeks ago, and that was my reaction to me picking it up. I couldn't believe it. If you were to tell me two months ago that I'd pick up golf, bro, I go like every week now. Wow. I, to the driving range, legit. I got a set of clubs, got a driver. A lot of my friends play. And the thing is, I just feel like it's so time consuming. Like, what are you out there? Like eight hours a day when you're golfing? Not eight, but we played, we played nine holes once and it was like three and a half hours. Wow. And, and that's only nine. Usually you go 18. So yeah, it's probably like north of six hours, bro. That's dope. That's dope. I mean, you know, they say you're living the good, good life when you could just, you know, golf whenever you want for three hours, right? <laughs> yeah, not exactly golfing whenever I want. Like, but I don't I think do. you had the time to do that in New York. Nah, we also don't have the, the, the weather, too, bro. Like, that is true. The weather, it's, yeah, you're probably golfing back in New York now this time of year, but it's, 
here it's all year round, dude. Yeah. They had a they had a cold winter over here, and it was like thirty degrees two days. So maybe next time I come to Vegas, you take me out golfing for real, for real, for my first time. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. You're here for summer league, so I do want to get into summer league. Is this your first time coming out here for summer league? It's like five years, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would do this almost every year except the pandemic year. For like the past maybe five or six, everything is so mixed together. But I think this might be year five. Okay. This is the first one for me, like living in Vegas, obviously, but I've been to Vegas for summer league in the past. And my favorite one, we went to a bunch of games too, was when Lonzo and Kuzma got drafted by the Lakers. Yeah. And it was dope because, dude, we were playing craps with Anthony Davis and Boogie. Yeah. Just, they just pulled up to the table and they're like, yo, up the limit. And we were playing, you know, $10, $10 rolls. My friend Danny and I are over there at the table. It's 10 a.m. at the Cosmo. And we're like, you I was know, just there last night, bro. Like, good spot, <laughs> good spot. And the dealer goes to us, oh, you guys don't got to worry. You're grandfathered in because you guys were here before we set the new limit. And they're playing like $500 in spin. Oh, man. Everybody's out here, bro. Yeah. That's Everybody's laid thing. back. You know, bro, it's, a, it's a great place to meet people, to network, to yeah. see old friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, man. And it's dope because you see a lot of like the big name guys that are definitely not playing in summer league, but they come out here to see their their teammates. They come here to show face. It's also Vegas. It's a it's a vibe out here. It is for yeah. sure. It's definitely a vibe. What's your biggest takeaway from summer league this year? I think like it's probably Cam Whitmore and Webby because I think Cam Whitmore being drafted at twenty was crazy. Like I was hearing some things about his pre draft workouts where there was some issues with his knee scan. He wasn't shooting it great, but I actually think he's a sleeper for rookie of the year. Super athletic. Yo, he, I gotta say, I gotta cut you off, bro. Because yeah, please you, do. <laughs> you, you do a great job of like these late 20, 20 picks, second rounders, you'll start tweeting and posting about like, yo, watch out for this dude. Yeah. This dude's going to be a problem. Like Keegan Murray, I remember was one of your yeah, guys. His too. brother's now playing. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. were like, yo, this guy's going to be a problem. And so when you talk about these dudes that are really, obviously everyone knows about Wemby and, and Scoot. Yeah. But these gems, bro, I really look to you for real to be like, all right, if Combo's giving him the cosign, this guy's going to be a, a problem in a good way. I appreciate that. And I feel Wemby, it's just too easy, bro. It's like, we know this guy's going to be great. I know there was overreaction from the first game when he only scored nine points. But if you really go watch him play in person, like everybody talks about this guy's a video game player. This guy's a 2K player. Like when you're watching, like it really seems like it's something out of a video game with his size and skill level. Do you, do you worry at all about his frame and the history of guys that size sort of having injuries? Like Chet, he played in the summer league. He got hurt last year in summer league. A little bit of a similar frame. Do you worry about that? I think you always have to with right. guys that size. But I would say about Wemby, he seems like he's doing a great job of taking care of his body. Even when you're watching him in summer league, he's always working on something. In the game, he's doing like all kinds of activation stuff. He's kind of like a unique character that's really into self-development. He kind of is the new age Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know Kareem in that Bruce Lee movie? How flexible he was, how yeah. well he could move. Like Wemby... Wemby reminds me of that. Yeah, his size. Hey, you're right. The Comparing him to a 2K character is exactly it. It, it looks like when you see it in person, it looks crazy, bro. It yeah. looks crazy. You got to see him play in person? Yeah, twice. Oh, dope. Yeah. So you twice. saw the good and the bad. I saw the good and the bad, but I was taking a lot of good away from the bad. Yeah. That was a bar right there. That was a bar. <laughs> yeah, that was a bar. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, we tend to do this with athletes that are... Like no one, no one said anything bad about Wemby coming out, right? Like he was a sure thing. 
You saw it in the NFL with Trevor Lawrence. And then the moment that they have a small hiccup, it's like, ah, dude, ugh, all that hype for nothing. Like, people were bugging out after game one, bro. It's ridiculous. You should have heard the stands. It was crazy. They were going nuts? So I was with a friend who I grew up playing uh, ball. <laughs> I grew up playing ball with him in New York City, New York, and he knows ball, and he was saying the most ridiculous things. He was like, man, I could go out there and look bad, man. I, <laughs> I was dying, bro. I'm, it's ridiculous, man. Like, because he was 7'5", getting low with the handle, like showing what he could do with the basketball. Yeah, he was taking some bad shots, but what could you do? The two things he has to work on, as you know, is the strength, right? That's obvious. Right. He has to get stronger. He's yeah, constantly yeah. on the floor. The other thing is the shooting. Outside of that, I asked on Twitter, like, what are his other improvement areas? I don't see too much. Like, you would see, like, he has to do a better job of closing out. Like, things like this. Like, I don't know, man. He's just going to be great, in my opinion. Well, the size thing, like, the physical size, that's, that's going to improve no matter what. Every dude that comes into the league kind of looks scrawny. And yeah. then year three, year four, Giannis, right? Like Giannis yeah. looked like a pencil when he first but came in. But even if he stays skinny, like KD kind of stayed skinny. He just got right. stronger. Right. Like all he has to do is get stronger. And he's tough. Like he play, he tries to play through contact. He's not soft or anything. So once he gets that strength, as you just stated, he's going to be incredible, bro. Isn't it ironic that the Spurs get him and then Popovich signs a new contract with them? I didn't know Popovich wanted to coach that much longer that's, that's what i thought too but when they throw you 80 million i think it could definitely inspire you to coach some more bro yeah yeah that is true that's a bag right there shouts to pop man yeah i i think the greatest coach of all time i think this is the bridge right here though they want to set up the first part of Wemby's career in the right way and pop being there i think does that for him i would say i hope pop isn't too rigid with him mm. and lets him play kind of gives him the ball like you know how pete maravich was with his father press like, just give him the ball and let him go and see what happens for that first year, right? Like, see exactly what he could do. I wouldn't put too much restrictions on him. Like, in game one of Summer League, he played two minutes and sat out. I'm like, oh, man, we're doing this now? Like, you know, they created load management, so I hope we don't yeah. see too much of that. Yeah, I mean, they were the kings of that. Like, they were known for, after one possession, they'll just sub out everybody. Right, right. That yeah, that, like, yeah. That they was started like it, bro. Shit. Yeah, they, they started really And Kawhi brought it to the Raptors, and now Kawhi's the face of it. Yeah, the whole <laughs> league now is just all load management stuff. So I think the interesting thing with Wemby is that obviously the size and the frame, but he went to the right organization too, bro. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. Because they develop players better than anyone. I totally agree. He's going to learn how to be a true professional with this team. I always say there's three teams with great culture in the NBA, the Warriors, the Heat, and obviously the Spurs. So landing on one of those teams is always a benefit. Yeah, and that's why it's so unfortunate when guys in any sport, when they're a, when they're a top pick and they don't land in the right place. Like, bro, how many guys probably would have had different careers if they landed in a better situation? Situation and opportunity, bro, is everything in sports. And that's why it's so unfortunate when we slander some of these dudes because it's not your fault that when you get drafted, bro, you don't have no say, really. Yeah. You don't at all. It's not until you're a free agent where you could be like, yo, you know what? Now I'm going to test the waters. That's why I love it when a guy becomes a free agent and they actually go somewhere else. It's like now you have the option to. And obviously there it's more money and, and that gets played into it. But, you know, I, I find no issue with a dude wanting to test the waters once they're a free agent. And it leads me into the, what the biggest talking point about Summer League has been is not a guy that's playing in Summer League, but Damian Lillard. Yeah. Still on the Blazers. He finally came out and said, yo, I think it's time for me to move on. Is he a bad guy for wanting that? I don't think he's a bad guy for wanting that, but I would say to say, and I love the Heat. Like I have friends on that coaching staff. Like I want to see them do well. 
But I don't think you should say I only want to go to the Heat because it hurts the leverage. It hurts both sides, right? That's what business. happened with the Knicks and the Nuggets. Yeah. yeah. Melo said, anybody wants to trade for me, cool. But you're going to give up all these assets, and then I'm dipping come yeah. the summer. And the other teams won't want to trade for Dame if he's going to be in there and not be happy because you're not going to get the best Dame. So it puts the team in a conundrum. So we'll see what happens from near here. I know there's stuff coming out from the front office that, hey, we'll wait on this, you know. So maybe Dame starts the season with the Trailblazers, which will be pretty fun because Scoot is dynamic, you know. So we'll see what develops, man. But I don't think he's a bad guy for wanting to leave. Because we started seeing this. I started making this case, bro, when LeBron first left Cleveland. Okay. And it was, if a dude gives you seven plus years, at that point, I feel like you should be able to go and leave. Why not? Yeah, I agree. Player mobility. We see it with the transfer portal now in college basketball, and that's a whole other discussion. People are think it's yeah. ruining basketball, but players should, you know, have a say in where they play, right? Yeah. And that's what happens once you're a free agent. Yes. Or nowadays in the NBA where a dude signs a new contract and then immediately they want to just, like, up and leave, like, four months into their new contract. You could do that now, right? Yeah, like you could, player empowerment. You could opt into a bag and then be like, I want to leave, yeah. and you still have that bag coming to you. I feel it's like crazy. that's what that's what James Harden try, is trying to do with, with the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie just got a bag, so yeah. who knows? Maybe he'll want to go somewhere after this year, halfway through the season. Would it be a surprise, right? Like Kyrie's been oh, on Oh, it'd be the biggest things. surprise. Yeah, yeah. No <laughs> no one saw that coming. Not like we've seen that before. But, dude, I, wanna, I really want to stay on the Damian Lillard thing because all these years he kept saying how I want to win in Portland. I want to bring a championship here. I'm not going to do what the other guys do. Kind of taking shots. And he became a... I don't know if a cult-like figure is the right a symbol term, but for somebody yeah, that stays. Yeah, like a symbol for loyalty and a day one kind of guy. And it's dope. But then eventually when you see that the organization gets rid of CJ McCollum, who was his running mate, the team gets worse. At that point, it's kind of written, bro. Yeah. So I have no issue with him being a guy that wants to leave and go go somewhere else. Like, yo, he gave you a decade, bro. If you can't do anything with him there... I feel like Giannis would have been in the same boat had they not won the championship. Yeah. He probably would have looked to maybe go elsewhere. Yeah. The light, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is closer to than the light in the beginning of the tunnel for Damon. I think he sees that and I think he wants to win a championship and play for something, you know. With Toronto, it's a rebuilding team, man. It's a rebuilding team. They got two young guys. They got a bunch of young guys, actually. So I don't think it's the right place for him. And I think it's better for both sides if he leaves. Yeah. And do you think the ideal place for him to go would be Miami? Yes. Has to be, right? Yes, yes. I just don't like the way he's going about it right now because I think he's... You're forcing the hand. Yeah, you're, you're hamstringing what the team could do, the leverage they have. Like, we want to see... I'm sure he wants to see Portland do well after he leaves and he wants to see them get a nice deal, right? And Portland wants to see him be happy. So to do that, you can't just say... You can't let it be known that I'm only going to Miami. You know? It, it kind of it puts you in a tough position. you got to keep that part in the low, even though maybe everybody involved knows, but you can't let it out. Yeah, you can't let it out because then I also feel like the other teams in the league probably are not going to even try to make a move if they know that. Like what you're Exactly. Why do you want an unhappy Dame? And then maybe maybe Miami, just hypothetical. Let's just say maybe Miami wanted to get they wanted to get Dame and like keep Tyler Hero. The funny thing about Tyler Hero is neither team wants him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's and I and I love Tyler's game. I'm just that's just the way he's it is having right a rough go. Yeah. It's also the contract too that I think plays into it. But like hypothetically, right? And this is what happens with a lot of teams. When you when you lose the leverage and you say, yo, I'm only playing in this one spot, maybe they would have been able to get that trade done without giving up that piece. But now that the other team knows that, yo, he'll only go there, well, now I want that piece. Yeah, you know that, what makes I'm sense. that makes sense. Yeah. So that's why, like, 
you're kind of blowing your own coverage and kind of snitching on yourself in a way. Because, <laughs> dude, it, th this one means a lot to me, bro, because I saw it happen with the Knicks. That's why it resonates with me. Anytime a player does something like this, because, like I said, Carmelo, when he wanted to leave to go to to the Knicks, he said, I'm only going to play for the Knicks. Because, like, the Bulls were were in play, the Nets were in play, and he specifically said, I'm only going to go there. And then that's why the Knicks had to give all those draft picks. They had to, you know, gut the team. And I think it's a terrible way to go about it. Like you said, you got to kind of keep it on the low. But, bro, shit leaks all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think Durant did a good job with the Nets, right? Like, they kind of kept where he wanted to go under wraps. Like, they had that meeting. Nobody really knew what came out of it. So there's a way to do it. There's a way to move. What else from Summer League has stood out to you? Or or just, like, storylines throughout the summer that have played out. Maybe a trade that you, you like or a move that went down in I the summer. Well, actually, this will answer all those questions because I really like what the Rockets did with Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet. I mean, that's a rebuilding team, but eventually you're going to have to bring some winning players in or your culture will just be piss poor. And I feel like these two guys could really help it. Now, what I saw from Jabari Smith Jr. in Summer League, I haven't seen improvement from one summer to another summer in Summer League like this. Like, he was just phenomenal. He was playing point Jabari. And we could get into the Nuggets. I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams trying this point center type thing. And... They even have another guy who's more of a point center type player in Alperin Shangoon. So I think we'll see some of that with him and Van Vliet. Like they'll be like their Jokic and Jamal Murray, but they're really dynamic. They got a new coach in Ime, who's mm -hmm. been a proven coach in the NBA. So I think this, look, man, not, they might not be a playoff team only because the NBA is so tough, but I think they're definitely going to make a leap and they're really interesting. And Jabari, was just, he's probably MVP of Summer League from what I've seen so far. And also they're in a conference that's super stacked. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's, tough, it's like, yeah. I think they'll be so much better, but still not good enough, you know, yeah. just because the league is tough. Yeah, and also, what you said is so interesting about the copycat league because, yeah. bro, that's like that in all sports. Yes. Right? A couple of years ago, maybe like a decade ago, teams started winning the Super Bowl with running backs that made like 800000 $1.2 It's crazy. And then everyone's like, yo, why am I going to pay a running back $15 million more? He's worth it, 100% worth it, but you started seeing teams do that. Then it became the, well, you got to win when your quarterback's on a rookie contract. And now you're seeing it, well, now we got to run the pick and roll with, with my big, maybe bringing it up. Or, you know, you got to have that big in the, in the guard once again. And they're trying to do the Nuggets thing. But it's like with the Splash Brothers, bro. It's easy for you to be like, yeah, let's go out there and shoot a bunch of threes at a high percentage. But we also have the two best shooters of all time. So it's easy to do that if it's us. Yeah. So the copycat league, it's in theory, it's dope. But you also need the players to be able to do that. Yeah, and we're seeing, like, with the analytics movement, that's in every sport, right? Like, we're seeing that in football. We're seeing that in baseball. We're seeing that in basketball. And to your point about the running backs, I'm not an expert in football, but I remember when, you know, we're around the same age or when we were growing up, there was notable running backs, right? Yeah. Like, if you didn't know about football, you knew about some of the running backs in the league, and it's just not like that anymore. So it's interesting that you said that. Now it's all about the quarterbacks, and it's all about the wide receivers. Yeah. But now the wide receiver is yo, you need a dude that's going to make like 20 plus million because he's that kind of an alpha on the outside. Yeah. And because passing has become so, the league is like 65% passing now. Yeah, it's crazy. And you see teams just like, they'll draft a dude in the seventh round, like what the Chiefs did last year, Isaiah Pacheco, yeah. seventh round pick. Yeah, They win the Super Bowl. He's their starting running back. Wide, a wide receiver is always a fun position. Those guys always had swag, the celebrations. The, they're, they're the most unique position in all of sports, in my opinion. And they probably have the best chance to transition to a basketball player, right? Like they're long, they could jump, they could run. Yeah. Oh, they're the, they're probably the best athletes on the field. They got that like length. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They could high point 
right? Yes. You got to go up and jump. So maybe like yeah. a rebounder. You see a lot of tight ends. Like Antonio Gates was a basketball player. Jimmy Graham played on the U. Yeah, yeah. So you see a lot of those dudes transition. But when it comes to like the wide receiver position, bro, I really think it's the most unique in sports. Because when you think about like the nature of that position. So if anyone's ever played like real football, high school, college, whatever it might be, or even peewee football, they're the first ones to break the huddle, right? So mm -hmm. they're kind of isolated already. They're the furthest away from the ball. And it's the only position, the reason why I say combo it's so unique is it's the only position in sports where you don't just need one guy to do his job for you to be successful. You need two things in order for you to be successful. You need the offensive line to be able to block for your quarterback to then be able to get you the ball. Yeah. So when a wide receiver gets called a diva or when a wide receiver is like bitching about not getting the ball, bro, I feel him. Yeah. I feel him because I got to hit my incentives. I got to get the ball thrown to me in order for us to win and to help be. us win. Yeah, bro. It got to be it's frustrating. A, it's a frustrating position for yeah, that it's reason. It's not like, and also like when you don't get the ball in basketball, you could grab a rebound, you could get a steal and you get could the ball. You could defend. Yeah, yeah, it's different, bro. It's That's everything relying on something else. It's kind of an annoying position to be in. I'm not going to lie. That's why I always like, I'm obviously the biggest basketball guy, but I always love sports that are one-on-one -on -one mm. because everything's on you. Yeah. You know, I love that. And I know you're into MMA and MMA is like that. So I want to see them make one-on-one -on -one basketball an Olympic sport. Like I love that everything's on that one person. Did you like the three-on-three -three stuff that love was going it. down? Yeah, love it, right? love it, man. Also feels like that like New York City park stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy? It has that New York City influence, and it also has the European influence, and I think those two things, because Europeans were the ones who really started playing it, like, mm. before us. It's like a unique set of rules. It's like 3x3, so when the ball comes out the rim, you play right away. It's fast, 12-second shot clock. It's twos and ones, so think about the analytics on that. I love that sport, and I love that it's an Olympic sport now. You think it'll ever get to a point where one-on-one -on -one becomes an Olympic? I sport? hope so. That's what, I've been talking about this for years, man. And yeah. At least an all-star event of some sort. I think that's fun, bro. Like, think about growing up. You've been around basketball, bro. When some, when two people play one-on-one, -on -one, the energy is sometimes crazier than the five-on-five -five games, right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe there's money on it in the street. Oh, bro, it also just, like, uh, the last time I played one-on-one, -on -one, uh, my buddy Jarrell, shouts to Jarrell Harris. I've told this story a bunch of times, but, like, you know, it started off like, oh, let's just go shoot around at the park. And then Never ends like, like that. And then he's like, yo, ball's in. <laughs> and, like, it starts off playful. And then, you know, game's 11 and it's 8-7. And then it's yeah. like, all right, now now we're, like, biting down. Physical. Yeah, yeah. You start a little elbow here and there. You yeah, know what I mean? man. One it kind of gets different. elevated. You know, T-Mac's doing an event, you know, the one-on-one -on -one stuff, which is really cool. And I hope more people do it. So, yeah, I really want to see that sport grow. I want to talk to you a little bit about what's happened in the West since we were just talking about the Rockets. I do find some of those moves interesting because also they're a really young team, right? One thing that I've said in the past is I feel like you can't have all young guys on a team. You need to have 100%. some dudes that have been in the league, the grizzled vets, championship pedigree with Van Vliet coming over there. Beal going to the Suns, right? Everyone that's been recording uh, in the studio at Summer League, they've been shouting out how the Suns need to sign players for the veterans minimum, play on words, so... We're here. Now I hope you guys understand it. That's that's a mic that's micro content right there. <laughs> Shouts to the veterans minimum. Dude, what do you think about what the Suns could put together this year? Because it's Ooh. a lot a lot is relying on just those four guys because they're already over the cap with just those four guys. So who's the fourth? Oh, Aiden? Aiden. Well, I'm talking about just from a salary standpoint. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Those those four guys are already over the luxury tax. Yeah, man. It's, you're asking for a lot. And also is dudes that have kind of had some injury concerns. 
Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, I think there's a redundancy in skill set with those three guys. I think they're actually all the same player in a lot of ways, which sounds crazy, but Kevin Durant just happens to be seven foot, right. which makes him an all-time great. But these guys are ISO scorers. And after a while, it's a return. It's like a diminishing return, right? So you need to balance that roster out. Now, like if one of those guys was Draymond or somebody who's a movement shooter, it'd be better. So I do think they have a high ceiling because they're super talented, but it's almost like the fit, the talent defies the fit. Like the talent has to defy the fit, if that mm. makes sense. Like they have to be so good, they have to defy the odds to win because the, I don't think the fit is great. A lot of it is going to be the way they build around those three, and I love Eric Gordon siding. Is it a few too, Is it a few years too late? I don't know. Like I thought he should have been on the Lakers for years with LeBron. Yeah. I think he could help a winning team win a championship. I do think he's one of those guys. So I like that signing, but it's going to be interesting. Also, you can't microwave chemistry, and that's already instilled in Denver. It's already instilled in Milwaukee. It's already instilled in Boston. So is a team that's just put together out of nowhere going to be able, no matter how talented they are, beat one of those three teams? I don't know. It remains to be seen. It's hard because remember what happened with Miami year one? Yeah. And Dwayne Wade came out and said, year one was tough. Like, yeah, it's dope. You have all these big names yeah. and these all-stars and, like, generational talents, but it's going to take a while for that to mesh. And I love what you said about Denver because in the NFL, I say uh, all these moves in the offseason just to lose to Mahomes in Kansas City again. And I feel the same way about Denver heading into this next year. You think they're going to win it? Yeah. If you think about it, bro, like – had Jamal Murray not gotten hurt in the bubble, I know woulda, coulda, shoulda. Who knows how that plays out, right? And it seems like that's even more the case now that we saw it, right? Exactly. We yeah. saw him healthy. And then you you parlay that into the following year that he misses. So, like, maybe, and that's why I made the case for Denver once again. It's like, yo, this could have been their second or third championship had these injuries not gone down. We don't know, right? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Like I said, I, I hate playing that game, but... Well, they won one. So they won one, <laughs> but also because people kept like complaining about ah, it's it's Denver, it's not a big market. It's like, well, neither was Golden State, bro. Yeah, neither was Milwaukee until they got these players and they became a dominant franchise like that. Obviously, Boston, the 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 lineage and and just like the aura of what the Celtics have been, like they're always gonna be popping. But I think Denver, bro, like they're they're keeping the same roster. I, I know they lost Bruce Brown which was a big part of their success yes. for sure. But yes. like the core, that that five and the coach, the coach now, he probably gets like a couple percentage points better just mm -hmm. knowing that. Mike Malone, New York guy. Yeah. He's funny, bro. Shout that out to Queens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I just think that all these moves, just to, the continuity, like they've had the same team all these years, the way they play, very unselfish basketball. I, I think all these moves just to lose to Denver again. Yeah, I think Jokic... I mean, it's obvious he's, he's the best player in the league. No one could die, can deny it. I was a big Luka guy for a long time. I can't deny that Jokic is the best player in the league. You mentioned Jamal Murray, and I think he's going to take a leap this season. I think he's never been in an all-star game, so he's going to want to prove that. And he's going to need that with them losing Bruce Brown. Like, everybody's going to have to pick up a little bit, you know, because that is a big loss for them. So they actually lost a few key guys. But I think the keys for them is Jamal Murray taking a leap during the regular season, kind of looking a little bit more like he did in the playoffs. And then I'd like to see uh, Christian Brown develop his shooting a little bit more because he shot it better in college. So let's see if he could do it in the NBA. He already got a championship under his belt as a rookie. So I think if those two guys could really step up and for that loss in Bruce Brown and other key guys, I think they're going to be just fine. And Jokic is going to be Jokic. So I'm with you, man. They got a great chance to win it. But with that dude... 
with that dude, um, the rookie. Christian Brown. Christian Brown. I just blanked on his name as you just mentioned them. The, the thing that I found really cool was they played him in some big spots, bro. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I love seeing, like, yo, you know who one of my favorite guys in the league is? Alvarado with the Pelicans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when they played the Suns two years ago, dude, they're down six in the Queens fourth again. quarter. I think he's from Queens, by the way. I think he he's definitely a city kid. I don't know if it's Queens. Though. Okay. But, bro, there's some guys that they, they're they made to play in big spots. And, like, that moment didn't seem big for Alvarado. Yeah, it's Chris Paul. It's, it's, it's Booker. Like, that shit don't matter. Like, I'm out here. I'm playing. Yeah. And that's how I feel like with Christian Braun, too. I think he's going to be a guy that they could count on because they've seen him be in a big spot. Like, it's not going to be like, oh, man, we got to throw him out there with the Wolves. It's like, nah, I was there. A big thing to say when I... A big thing people used to say when I was growing up in New York City is we all tie our shoes the same way, right? Mm. It's basketball at the end of the day. You can't be scared of anybody. So I love that mentality in both those guys for sure. Yeah, and also when you, like, role players play better at home than they do on the road. But some of these guys have some moments on the road too. It feels like the road isn't as big of a, I don't know, advantage as it used to be. I don't know if it's the three-point thing. I think it's that, bro. Yeah. I think the whole game has changed. Yeah. I've made this case so many times, bro, that, like, Dude, in the past, if your team was down 20 at half, you're like, oh, I'm going to put something else on. Now Not it's like more. Now it's like three jump shots, and you're, it's back to single digits. Back in the early 2000s, late 90s, like a 10-point lead was pretty big. Yeah, like you, know you didn't I mean? blow a 10-point lead. Yeah, yeah. Like, whoa, they came back from a 10-point lead. Now that's nothing. And, nothing. and if you just look at box scores in NBA playoff games, I think you just look at the three points, whoever made more threes, probably going to win the game. Yeah, there is. Like, my guy, Coach Nick, B-Ball Breakdown, shout out to him. We do YouTube live shows together. He always talks. Like, he has all the stats on, like, if you make five more threes than the other team, it, like, gives you a tremendous advantage. Obviously, like, you're playing the math game at the end of the day. Yeah, you know? and that's why basketball analytics came in, and they're like, oh, yeah, we just need threes, need threes. See, that's, like, with every trend, though. So, like, we have to benefit from it, but then eventually there's a tipping point where everybody catches up. So what's the advantage now? Because everybody can knock the three down now, right? Like, the Warriors don't have as big as of advantage that he's used to. And now we got to see what teams could do different things around the edges, you know, how we play. Like we're seeing the advantage with Denver with the, having a big point center. Yeah. Like nobody else has that. So now we're going to see, you know, every trend has a tipping point. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Because you also see when dudes start going to like elbow jump shots. Right, right, right. 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 Like that came back a little bit with the Suns. The Suns were doing that. Look, the league's best players has to have a mid-range game because, you know, they're going to take away that three-point shot. They know what you're doing. You have to be able to create your own in the mid-range and late-game situations and and end the shot clock situations. But role players, for the most part, will extend to three. But I think the league stars, you have to be able to knock down that mid-range, especially off the dribble. It's very important. Do you like how basketball is played nowadays? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And, you know, the old heads aren't going to like it because that's in everything in life. When you grew up with something the nostalgia has such a big effect on you. You're always going to love what you grew up seeing. Mm. Um, I love the way the game is played. It's more skilled than ever before. There's more positional size than ever before. Could they make a few rules to let it get a, a little more physical so we don't see these crazy numbers all the time? Sure, I wouldn't mind that. But I love the way the game is played. Positionless basketball, skilled basketball. I think it's great. I think there's a European influence. I think there's an analytic influence. And I think Steph Curry had a huge influence on the game today, and I love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Curry, I think it, We've talked about it goes without five. question. Yeah. Most influential basketball player of all time. Could be. I think him and Wilt, because Wilt changed some rules back in the day. But, I mean, the way the game is played, a big part of it is because of Steph Curry right now. And just moving forward, now everyone shoots threes. Yeah. Like, even yeah. more. 
Well, like we said before, copycat league. Yeah. And I think what he's done for basketball and just moving forward, there's not going to be anyone with an impact. Look, like Denver, the Kings, these young teams that are really good, it's a lot of Warriors influence. I mean, Mike Brown is the coach of the Kings. Yeah. So we're going to see some Warriors influence on these teams. If you had to make a pick for a team to maybe make some noise next year, like a team that's like kind of off the radar. I guess that Rockets team I was talking about, you know? Like, I really think I love the moves that they made. They got Fred Van Vliet on a good contract because a lot of people say it's a ridiculous amount of money, but it's only three years, I think, guaranteed, and it's going to be in his prime. And he's going to be able to mentor those young players. As you said, if you don't have veterans on a rookie team like that, it, it becomes like a G League team, right, or an AAU team. So I love that. I think Cam Whitmore was a steal of the draft. I don't even know if, like, Amen Thompson, who was a top five pick, is going to start because this team is so good. Like, usually on a rebuilding team, when you have a high draft pick like that, they start. Immediately, they throw them out there. And I don't think it's going to be like this because yeah. this team's going to be really good, and we know Ime's a good coach. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens in Memphis. Yeah, I think D. Rose, I guess, maybe as a, as a mentor, maybe. That's, that's something that they needed, bro. They had too many young guys, and they yeah. lose Dylan Brooks, but they get Marcus Smart. And yeah. I like that. That's going to be a pretty interesting combo in the backcourt. Combo. combo. I like what you did there. There we go. I I think that's a team, man. And obviously, we're going to need to see what happens with John Morant and how that whole situation plays out. But, you know, they signed Desmond Bain. Yeah, yeah. He's great. He's exactly what they need on that team. Yeah, to yeah. To complement what John Morant does. Yeah, yeah. No, he's always played great for them, and it's a great signing for them. I mean, great synergy there. He's, a, he's just, they had him on a rookie contract for so long, and he deserved to get paid, so I'm happy he did. The last thing I want to end with, you talked before about culture, and I think culture is really important in all sports. We're creating culture here at the Veterans Minimum. This is culture. Yeah, you know? best sports betting vibe on the internet. We're here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Culture. Do you think it could be overrated sometimes? In terms of, like, talent matters more than anything? I'm a talent matters more than anything. Here's the thing. I think talent did matter more than anything 10, 20 years ago, but I think there's so much talent now that the middle-of-the-road NBA player is closer to the star than ever before that we actually need culture. Like, I think the league's best players, the gap. Like, Michael Jordan, some of those guys, like, from him to the average player was so grand, and I don't think it's like, who do you feel is the league's best player? I don't think the gap between Jokic and the middle-of-the-road player is the difference as Jordan and a middle-of-the-road player, right? That's so I just and, and I also think there's more guys that could sneak into all-star games in the right situation. There's more all-star level players than ever before, so I do think continuity and culture do matter more than ever before. I would say continuity matters more than culture. Well, that's built from culture in a lot of ways. Very fair, yeah. Yeah. Because I think that, like what we were talking about with the Suns and then the Heat, Many like the Suns ago. is not culture. That's called name chasing. That's what the Nets did. It didn't work out for them. The Sixers, it doesn't look like it's working out Bro, for them. Bro, so how come teams still do this then? We're talking about copycat leagues. You're seeing all these Because they believe trades. what you just said about the like, the we just, let's just get the most talent. And look, yeah. talent and continuity, like if they had both those, like let's say KD, Beal, and Booker played together for the last 10 years, they would have an amazing chance to win yeah. multiple championships, but they just don't have enough time together. As, as, as much as I said there was a redundancy in their skill set, if those guys would have figured it out, I mean, over a 10-year span or something, they would probably be the best team in the league. So it matters. Like Jamal Murray and Jokic and those guys in Denver did it the right way. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I think I think these moves make the league more intriguing because it also builds like a villain. Like there are a lot of people that don't want to see the Suns win because they don't like that whole let's just acquire all the yeah, best I don't, players. I would love to see it. Like I like those guys. I mean, it would be fun to see Booker win one, Beal win one, Katie yeah. win another one. 
So, I mean, I just don't think it'll happen. Yeah, it's tough, man, in that conference, too. That conference yeah. makes it so difficult. It's the you, same thing, like, in the NFL. Like, there's so many teams I like, but they're all in the AFC. And it's like, dude, the AFC is loaded. Yeah, how is, like, just three really talented guys going to beat a team with, like, straight continuity, a well-oiled machine with the best player in the world? Yeah, it's going to be tough. And also, like, their five together is really dominant because we've seen it. Yeah, Aaron Gordon fits so well with those yeah. guys. You Bro, know we, were t we opened up the show talking about situations. He's a prime example of that. Yeah, He yeah. can't be your alpha number one franchise player, but when he's your third, sometimes fourth option on your team and he has a defined role, like don't get me 30. If you do, holy shit, that's amazing. No one's going to beat us. But get us your, your, your 15 and 10 or your 15 and 8. He's an amazing fit with Jokic because obviously Jokic is the best passer in the league, but Aaron Gordon is a guy that'll make anybody look like a better passer the way he catches the ball, his hands, the way he finishes around the rim. So that's such a great piece right there for them. And Bruce Brown was a great cutter off the ball as well, which was such a great piece yeah. next to Jokic. Even if you think Jokic is the best passer in the world, it makes him even a better passer with recipients like those guys. And that's what's cool about him and his style of play because he's going to be able to elevate a dude, like you said, like the average guy on the bench, now that he's playing with Jokic, his game is just going to hit another level where he might not be as good as what he's showing, but because you have a guy like Jokic, it's like with the quarterbacks in the NFL. Sometimes mm -hmm. some receiver has been a journeyman in the league and then they'll find Tom Brady and then all of a sudden, holy shit, Wes Welker's catching 100 passes a year yeah. for, for 1,200 yards. Yeah, that's, the, that's continuity too, right? Yeah. Like just the right puzzle pieces together. Dude, it was fun chopping it up with you. Yeah, that time flew by, man. I was really looking forward to this, and it was even bigger and better than I expected. So thank you so much for having me back on the pod. Hope to do it again really soon. Patreon roll call before we sign off. Abel Rezin, Ben Coatsian, Christopher Velasquez, Derek Plates, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley, Mike Wozniak, Thomas Robinson, and Nick Crummich. Also Nick Chavez, excuse me. Shout out to all of you. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum to support the show. We are doing another giveaway. We are getting out the merch to the winners from last month. July giveaway, we'll announce it next week. So support the Patreon for as little as a dollar a day. And also be on the lookout. NFL contests are going to start up again. We gave away $1,000 last year to the winner. So this year we're going to up it a little bit more. As far as I go, it's at Nick Day. It's 10 as you can find me. All things Veterans Minimum are at Veterans Minimum. Combo, the floor is yours. Tell the people where they can find the podcast and your social media. Combos Court, wherever you listen to podcasts, C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T, Twitter, Combos Court, same name as the podcast. Instagram, one, two, combo. I put a lot of clips on there, a lot of fun stuff on there. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. -E and catch me more often on the Veterans Minimum. I'd love to do this all the time. Hope to come to Vegas soon. So thank you so much for having me on the show. This was so much fun, bro. Always good to have some New Yorkers in studio. Yes. Always a pleasure having you on the show. And we will catch you guys next time on Veterans Minimum. Bam! <laughs> there it was. Episode 492 is in the books. Big shouts to Nick and the Veterans Minimum. What a great conversation at Blue Wire Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show across the globe. Punch down on that subscribe button. If you haven't already, you know you can catch me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. -E and be on the lookout for episode 493. Combo out.